Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello everyone, my name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. How many of you want whatever coffee Emma had this morning? <laughs> How many of you need whatever coffee? <laughs> Hey, it's good to be with you again. Uh, I missed last week. We were in Phoenix. We went to the National Vineyard Conference. Uh, this is where they were um, handing off the national directorship from Phil Strout to Jay Pathak. And, uh, and so we were privileged to be part of that. Uh, we ended up taking a few extra days and vacationing. And uh, it's good to kind of get disconnected every once in a while, right? Especially in a nice warm area. I understand it was raining here, I think, while we were gone, and so it was really nice to, to be away. But while we were there, took some time and spent time with God, and I felt like God kind of gave me a word for myself, and uh, not just for me, but I think it's also for the church as well. And um, it's really this concept that it's okay to start looking forward again. You know, it's okay to start planning again. Uh, it's okay to start dreaming again. This past 20 months, most of us have been just kind of reacting to what's happening around us because we had no idea what was going to happen tomorrow. Um, but I feel like it's not completely behind us, but for the most part, these past 20 months are being put behind us right now. And, uh, and God has given me direction uh, as the lead pastor of the church to start dreaming again, start visioning again, start uh, looking forward again. So next week, we're starting a new series called Finding Hope, It's Time to Dream Again. And I think it's a series that we can all use, uh, and not just us, um, but I think our friends and family and our neighbors, our coworkers, those we go to school with. Because I think we can all say one of the things that the world re needs right now is hope, right? And so we're going to spend three weeks on uh, just finding hope and, and beginning to dream again. So I would hope that you would plan on attending. But more than that, I'm going to ask each of us over the next uh, couple of months anyway to invite people to church. And this next series is going to be a great time to do that. But also for our Christmas series, uh, that'll be a great time as well. Um, we're going to do things a little bit different during the Christmas series. Uh, we're going to have four service or four Christmas Sundays, in a sense, um, we're going to have three uh, in December, mo moving up until Christmas Eve. And then if you, I think we have a slide for this on Christmas Eve, we're going to have two services, four o'clock and 530. This year, Christmas Eve is on a Friday. And so we're going to have services on Christmas Eve, which we haven't done in the past to finish our Christmas series. And then on Sunday, we're not going to have any services. And that's an opportunity for you to spend time with your family. Um, also, I would encourage you, if you want to go to a church service, uh, you know, go to a church service in our community. But we're going to take that Sunday off specifically so we can spend time with our families. Um, but we will be having Christmas Eve services. That's new for us. But invite people to our Christmas services. Invite people to our next series. Um, I'm challenging us all to take five to invite five. All right? So it takes about a minute, right, to invite someone to church. And um, so I'm asking each of us to take five minutes between now and the end of the year to invite someone to church. And we've tried to make this easy for you. We have these five packs of invite cards that are on your way out. 
you can grab one of those. And then let it be your goal to get rid of all five of these cards over the next two months and invite someone to church. Um, most people who find our church don't find it on Google. Some do, but most find our church because someone invited them, invited them. So what's our word for this year? Go, go into all the world and make disciples. So we have two more months to go. So that's your challenge. You can grab those five packs on your way out. Okay, so while we were in Phoenix, I decided to try to go for a run because it was really warm outside. And, uh, and again, don't think like running. Think of like just a little bit faster than walking. All right, that's kind of my pace. And so in about the first, you know, 10 steps, I realized that something was wrong with my knee. I had tweaked it or something. Maybe it was how tight we were in the plane. I don't know. But you know, when you get to be my age, right? It could be anything. It could be how I rolled out of bed. But anyway, so I was running and it hurt. And I'm like, wow. Maybe it'll go away, you know? And so I just kept running. And after, you know, running for about 20 minutes, it never went away. And, um, and I kind of limped my way back up into the hotel room and my knee swelled up a little bit. And I'm like, oh yeah, this does happen. I remember the first time my knee swelled up. Um, I was in my 30s and a friend of mine had invited me to be part of their men's softball team. And I had played softball all the time throughout my 20s, and I hadn't played for a few years. And so uh, I said, yeah, I'd love to do that. I love softball. So I joined the team. I ran out there. I played outfield, ran around, got some balls and stuff. And uh, later that week, I, I realized my knee had swollen up, had swollen up. And so I'm like, I broke my knee. I don't know what I did, but I broke my knee in during that game. And so I called South Bend Orthopedics and set up an appointment because they take care of athletes, like the Notre Dame athletes. And I'm like, that's me. I'm an athlete. And I want them to fix my broken knee. And so I went to South Bend Orthopedics and I met with the doctor and he examined my knee, poked at it and stuff. And then he asked me a few questions and then he gave me his diagnosis. I'm like, I'm not going to need surgery. You know, you're going to have to give me a new knee. What are you going to do? You know, all this stuff. And uh, he looked at me and he said, uh, you're old. <laughs> He says, you, you can't do the stuff you used to do. This whole weekend warrior thing where you just run out from a desk job, you just run out and play softball. You can't do that anymore. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, that hurt. You know, I didn't see myself as old, but apparently I was. Apparently I was. And, and I realized, I mean, he coached me a little bit in that, that, you know, if I want to be active and play sports, I'm going to now have to like stretch beforehand, I'm going to have to warm up, you know, exercise, something I hadn't done up till that point, and uh, prepare myself, you know, to play ball. And it was helpful. It was helpful. I was able to finish the season and not have too many major injuries that year. Um, but it was the truth that he spoke to me that made all the difference. How many of you like having the truth spoken to you? Like, all right, a lot more during this service than first service. Bunch of liars in first service, I think, <laughs> you know. But I don't know. I like, I like getting that honest feedback. I like getting that honest feedback. It may be because I grew up uh, reading this story, The Emperor's New Clothes. Anybody seen that one? Hans Christian, Hans Christian Andersen. Wait, there's a fly up here. All right, so... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, everybody, come back. All right, come back. Just step on it. Just step on it. All right, storybook. Let's take this down because that's distracting too. But the emperor's new clothes. Anybody know that? Anybody ever heard that? Again, the idea is this guy, uh, these crooks come and they say, we'll make clothes for the emperor, but they say it's, it's invisible if you're not wise. And so they pretend to make clothes. They take money from the emperor for these new clothes. And the emperor doesn't want to admit that he can't see them because he wants to come across as wise. And all of his, his counselors tell him the same thing. Oh, it looks beautiful. And uh, nobody wants to come across as, as unwise. So the emperor's walking around in his underwear. And it's not until some little child says, he ain't got no clothes on, that they finally realize, oh, maybe... Maybe we're all on the same page, right? And the moral of the story is that um, we need people in our lives who will simply tell us the truth. And we need that, don't we? I mean, like that doctor told me, I mean, we need people in our lives to simply tell us the truth. Now, it might be painful at times. Scripture speaks to that. It says, Proverbs, in Proverbs 27, 6, it says, wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. And the, what that means is that when our friends tell us the truth and it hurts, we can trust that. We can trust that. Uh, Zechariah 8.16 says, these are the things you are to do. Speak truth to each other and render true and sound judgments in courts. And then Ephesians 4.25 says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. So we need the truth spoken to us. In fact, um, I need this so much. I've recently enlisted three men from our church to meet with me once a month. And just I, I just kind of submit my life, uh, our ministry, and, and just say, hey, tell me, am I wearing clothes, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just that idea. Am I doing anything that's hurting our church family? I want, I want to hear that um, because we need that truth spoken to each of us. Now, these past 20 months have been a struggle for all of us, all right? And some of us in this room and some of us watching online, we have grown in our faith. And some of us, have taken a few steps back in our faith. And we need the truth kind of spoken to us. So today we're going to be reading a scripture that I think identifies kind of where we're at. And, and if we know where we're at, then we'll know where we need to go. It's like a GPS, right? And you know, if you're following a route and then you miss a turn and you get off on the wrong street, uh, it'll do this recalculating thing. And it will tell you, okay, based on where you're at today, this is where you need to go to get where you're going. It's the direction you need to go. It doesn't send us all the way back to the beginning. And I don't think that we all in this room need to go back to the beginning. But I'm guessing that maybe this last 20 months, some of us have gotten a little off our original, originally intended route. So that's the plan for today, is we're going to read the scripture. We're going to evaluate where we're at. The fly came back. Um, and then we're going to see where God may be asking us to go, like what steps we need to take. So that's the plan today. You can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be reading 
the parable of the sower. And this is a parable that we studied, if you guys remember, back in January. Um, but in January, we only touched on one aspect of it. And today we're going to try to get through uh, the entire parable, touch on the entire parable. So a parable, by the way, uh, is a word made from two Greek words, um, para and balo, which mean to throw alongside, to throw alongside. Um, so a parable is, it, it, what it does is it takes a known truth. In this case, it's farming. And people understand how farming works. And so that's a known truth. And then he throws alongside of it a spiritual truth. And that's what we're going to be studying today is the spiritual truth. And he compares the two together. And we get to understand the spiritual truth a little bit better by understanding uh, what the illustration is. Okay, so let me read verses 1 through 9 to start. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So since most of us aren't farmers, let's just talk through that real quick. Um, and I, and I kind of gave the illustration back in January where he's like wearing a satchel full of seeds. But he would take, the farmer would take the seeds and they would take them out of the satchel and throw them out into the field to plant them. And some of the seed would fall right on the, the hard path where they're at and it would not take root and birds would come and just eat it up. Some seed fell right off the path in kind of that rocky soil and it was kind of shallow soil. And so it would spring up quickly. But when the sun came out, it just would wither because it had no root. Other seed fell over into the thorns and the weeds. And so it would grow up and it would look like a strong, healthy plant, but it would not produce any fruit. And only the seed that fell into the good soil was the seed that actually grew up strong, had roots, and then produced uh, a crop, 30, 60, or 100 what was sown. Most of the time, Jesus would tell a parable and he would say the kingdom of God is like this. And, uh, and then he wouldn't explain it. And so we had to try to figure it out. But in this case, Jesus goes on to explain the parable, which I love that because there's no doubt as to what he means. So starting in verse 18, he explains the parable. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on, on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So in this story, Jesus is saying that the four soils represent four states that our hearts can be in. 
You know, we can be in a hard state, a rocky state, kind of a thorny, weedy state, or we can have good soil. And based on where our hearts are at, that will determine what kind of plant grows, what type of fruit comes from our lives. And the seed that is sown is the gospel. It's, it's the word of God. It's the truth that we try to preach every Sunday here at Lighthouse across thousands of churches, you know, on a Sunday around the world. The gospel is being preached. And so today, what I'm asking each of us to do is to do a self-assessment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to be honest with yourself. Instead of having somebody else be honest with you, I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself and, and ask yourself the question, which soil type am I today? What type of plant am I producing with my life? Now, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I think that we can actually have an honest self-assessment. And we're going to walk through um, those four different soils today and kind of do this spiritual assessment. That's our message title, Spiritual Assessment, Recalculating calculating Our Route. All right, first, let me pray, and then we'll jump into it. So, Father, I ask that you would give us your words, that you would give me your words, and you would give us ears to hear from you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me and that you would speak to us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to assess where we are today because it's been a crazy 20 months and we may not be where we were before. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so I have... 16 fill-ins. That's a personal record. So you shouldn't let me go on vacation ever again. I've been thinking about this one for a few weeks. All right, so this first soil, they'll be rather quick though. The first soil is the hard soil, the hard soil. All right, um, Jesus says this about the this soil. He says in verse 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So this is someone who hears the gospel, who hears the message of Christ and just simply doesn't understand it. And if that's you today, I mean, you're in the right place. Let me just say that. If you're watching online and that's you today, you're in the right place. Because here at Lighthouse, one of the things that we try to do is we try to make the gospel simple. We try to make the message of Christ understandable for every one of us. And so you're in the right place today. So if that's you, though, I have a couple of things for you. First of all, keep coming to church. All right? Even if you don't understand it, keep coming to church. Keep coming to church. Keep, keep watching online. And then secondly, don't be afraid to ask questions. One of the things that's really difficult about the family of God is that we may all be at different spiritual ages, but unlike our physical ages, it's hard to know that. And so when, when we all come into a group setting like this, and if you're like, kind of like questioning or trying to understand, you're thinking, well, everybody else has this all figured out, and I'm the only one that doesn't know. My guess is you're not the only one who doesn't understand it, okay? 
It's just hard to tell where everybody's at. So if you have questions, just ask. Man, I'm always willing to answer questions. You can set up a meeting with me or email me, text me, whatever. I would love to have conversations with you if you don't quite understand. Or ask a friend or ask somebody around you. But it's okay if you're this first seed just to have some questions, but just keep on coming. Now, if you know somebody who's in this place where they just don't understand the message of Christ, invite them to church. You know, just invite them. We have these invite cards. Let's use them up. Let's use them up. I met my neighbor the other day and uh, and we were talking and so on. And it was so nice for me just to have a card in my pocket. And I was like, oh yeah. So here's, you know, if you're looking for a church, which they were, you know, here, come, come check out our church. So um, invite them to church. Secondly, pray spiritual warfare over them. It's, this seed, the way that Jesus describes it, is they'll hear it, they'll ponder it. They may not understand what God is trying to say to them. And before that seed gets a chance to take root, the devil will come and try to snatch it away. And I've seen that. I've seen someone come to church, visit our church, and then all of a sudden everything in their life falls apart because the enemy's like, I do not want them to find God. And so they end up not coming back to church because they lost their job or a relationship issue or whatever. So if you know somebody who's in this category, pray spiritual warfare prayers against the devil and all of his demonic forces as a hedge of protection around them while they're trying to figure this out. So pray for them, pray for them. All right, the second soil, that was the first soil, Jesus talks about is the rocky, shallow soil. He says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So this is the person who hears the truth of the gospel and they receive it with joy. And they find salvation. They might even get baptized. But it's that moment of, I'm super excited. If you guys remember, you know, many of you have, have made that decision to follow Christ. And you remember that moment when you were super excited. But you know what the enemy does is he waits for that excitement to wane a little bit. And then he comes in like a flood. And he tries to get us knocked off course right away. And if, you're, if your roots are not deep enough then when trouble or persecution comes because you made that decision to follow Jesus, you fall over, you burn up, you don't make it. I've seen that. In fact, I've seen that happen a lot this past 20 months. You realize that the number of people who attended church in February of 2020 is close to twice as many as what are attending today across our nation? What happened to all of those people? Well, some of them turned into online viewers. I will say that some of them are like, okay, I'm just going to attend online. They have health conditions or whatever. And, uh, but I would tell you, and, and most church pastors would tell you, that's not all of them. So what happened to the majority of those people who are not in church today? I would say that they didn't have deep enough roots because trouble and persecution came for the first time in my lifetime the church was talked about in a, in a bad way. I mean, it was put into a bad light. Many people, professionals were saying, do not go to church. It's a dangerous place. In fact, it's a super spreading event. You guys heard that? 
Remember that? When they were saying, don't go to church because you're going to get sick and you're going to die. And the reality is, is that if you gather with anybody, you might get sick, including church. So yes, it became a dangerous place to attend. And because of that, many people said, I'm out. Uh, It's too dangerous for me to even think about going to church. And not only did they give up on attending church, but they gave up on their faith. We need to establish roots that can withstand the trials of this world. Because if we think that the last 20 months is the height of persecution against the church or against Christianity, um, then we're remiss because the trials are yet to come. I think that this past 20 months is really just a dry run, a dress rehearsal for what is to come. I believe that we are on the edge of the last days. All of that's prophesied in Revelation. It may come to pass in our lifetime. And if it does, trouble and persecution isn't going to mean we might get sick. It means that we will get arrested if we're caught in a church. It means that it will be a death sentence if you confess to be a Christian. And in that day, when the real trial comes, when the real persecution comes, are our roots going to be deep enough to withstand? That's the question. So here's a couple things that we can do to dig our roots deep. First of all, begin to read your Bible every day. If you're not reading your Bible every day, I will tell you your roots are in danger. I read a couple of stories about individuals who have found Jesus and grown in their walk with Christ. And a key point in both of those stories that I read this morning was that they started reading their Bible every day. So if you're not reading your Bible every day, that's the, you're in a dangerous place. So start. If you don't have a Bible, stop by the Welcome Center. We have Bibles um, for free. Just grab one and you'll have a Bible. Secondly, attend everything. Everything. I mean, here at Lighthouse, we have several events throughout the year that help to build our spiritual foundation, that help to dig our roots deep. An example of that, we had a worship night here on Friday night. Every Tuesday night, we have times of prayer. Our young adults meet on Wednesday night. Our students meet on Sunday night. We have home groups. We're going to be doing classes next year on Tuesday nights and workshops. Um, Even things like the outdoor work day. You know, those, those build spiritual roots, raking the church's yard. Believe it or not, it will build your spiritual foundation. So if you're concerned, if you, if you find yourself in this soil, just start attending everything that we offer here at the church. And don't limit yourself to what's happening here. Carrie Job is coming. She's a worship leader. She's coming into Elkhart this week on Thursday, Thursday night. Yeah, in concert. Go to that. Go to other church services. They have Saturday night services or they have special meetings or prayer meetings. Just go. Just so you know, I'm giving you full permission as the lead pastor to go to a Saturday night service or a midweek service or whatever at another church. It will help you dig your roots deep. Now, if you know someone in rocky soil, start a Bible study with them. All right? Just say, hey, you want to do a Bible study? We can learn to read 
the Bible together and understand it together. And then secondly, attend everything with them. It's not fun attending church events by yourself. Can I get an amen? Amen. I was single for a long season. And, uh, you know, the church was the most awkward place to be when you're single. Is It's just awkward, right? I mean, all my single people are like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I get it. So just, you know, if you know somebody that is, um, you know, the roots could go deeper, just say, hey, I'll, let's go together. Let's go to the worship night. Let's go to prayer on Tuesday nights. You know, let's do things together. So attend with them. Now, the third soil is the thorny or weedy soil, but I'm actually going to skip that one for now and move on to the fourth soil. So the fourth soil is the good soil, and this is the goal for each one of us. If we want to know what the the goal is, this is it. Verse 23, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So the goal of our walk with Jesus is to reproduce our faith in others. Now, some of us have been brought up, you know, being taught that the goal in our life is to become more like Jesus. That's called sanctification. And that is a goal in our life. We should want to become more like Jesus. But let me argue with you. I believe one of the main reasons why we should become more like Jesus is so that we can impact others for Jesus. Because if I am what I'm capable of, this jerk of a person, because I can be that. When I'm unsanctified, (laughs) I'm not a very nice person. I'm not going to influence anyone for Jesus if I'm in that state. But the more that I become like Jesus, I have a better chance of reproducing my faith because people will see him and want to be like that. Because Jesus was awesome and perfect. And if we can become more like him, they're going to want what we have. But becoming more like Jesus shouldn't be our only goal in life. This parable makes it pretty clear that our goal in life is to produce fruit, to impact others for the kingdom. And we have several people here at our church that are doing that. But I wanted to talk about Nye Jimenez. Um, she's the one in the middle there, but, um, Nye has, this is her picture on Facebook. I didn't just pick it because it said lighthouse. That was kind of cool. Um, but she describes herself on Facebook as simply after Jesus's heart. And she recommitted her life to Jesus back in April. And since then she's just been on fire. She's been telling people about Jesus, inviting them to come to church, inviting them to come to worship nights. And right now, I think we have five or six plus people who are attending our church because they were invited by nine. And that's how you begin to reproduce your faith in others as you influence them for Christ. It's fruit. So if you are in the good soil today, first of all, keep producing fruit. Don't stop. You know, if you've invited six people or led people to Jesus, you know, in the last year, great. What are you doing this year? I mean, let's just just keep producing fruit, right? Every year there's a crop, there's a harvest, right? The, 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 the corn stalk doesn't get to say, woo, I did it in 2020, man, I produced fruit. 
And then that's it. No, it's like, no, there's, there's next year we need to produce fruit. And then I guess corn doesn't do that, but maybe a grapevine. A grapevine produces fruit every year. You know, that's an expectation. Let's keep producing fruit. And the second thing is don't get discouraged when you face rejection. Because if you are going to try to influence others for the kingdom, guess what? You're going to face rejection. Every one of us will, because not everyone wants to hear the gospel. If you think about the farmer who's throwing out the seeds, three of them weren't very successful. And so that may be your math. You may have success in influencing others one out of four times. So there's going to be times of rejection. Don't let that stop you. Keep sowing your seeds. Keep sowing your seeds. Now, if you know someone in good soil, encourage them. Encourage them. I talked about Nye, uh, but if you guys know Mia, she's over here. You know, she's also a superstar for the faith. I just want to encourage you, Mia. Keep it up. People come to our church and they say, I said, how did you hear about our church? And they say, well, Mia invited us. Or she, this is where she goes, right? And I'm just like, way to go, Mia. Keep it up. Keep it up. But we can all be like that. But if we know someone, encourage them because they are facing discouragement. And then secondly, help disciple the fruit. So as, as we have people on the front lines who are inviting people to church or they're coming to know Jesus, um, you can invite them, be friends with them, uh, invite them, you know, do all those other things that we talked about, but help disciple the fruit. All right. The last soil we're going to talk about today is the third soil. I've still got a little bit of time. Um, it's the thorny or weedy soil. Now, um, I left this for last because I think that this is one that many of us struggle with, or at least we struggle staying out of the weeds. Um, let's see how Jesus describes it. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. All right, so this is a plant that is planted in fairly decent soil. It just has weeds around it. And so the plant grows up and looks really healthy, has deep roots, right? Grows big and strong. For us, that might mean we know our Bibles. We attend things. You know, we, we spiritually look like we're a strong plant, but we're not influencing anyone for the kingdom. Jesus says there's, there's two reasons for that, two main reasons. First of all, is the cares and concerns of this world choke us out. Have we had any cares and concerns? Right? I mean, the last 20 months has been the king of cares and concerns. I mean, it went from, you know, epidemic to social unrest to politics to wear a mask to vaccine. I mean, we're, it's like, they're, it's just rolling. It hasn't stopped yet. There are so many cares and concerns in this world that it's overwhelming. But what we can do as Christians is we can let the cares and concerns overwhelm us and consume us. And then we don't ever even talk about Jesus anymore. Right? I've been there. I've done that. A few weeks ago, we had some friends over for dinner and Christian friends of ours. And, and we were sitting around talking afterwards, drinking coffee and having dessert. And uh, 
And the conversation started going towards like politics or mandates or, or whatever. And I remember thinking at that time, we can spend the next hour and a half just chatting about that stuff. Or we can talk about God's kingdom stuff and be encouraged instead of discouraged. And so we did. And we had a great time just chatting about what God is doing. But it's so easy to get caught up in the weed of the weeds of cares and concerns. The second one that Jesus said is the weed, the thorn of the deceitfulness of wealth. And I would say that this was the main weed that we in America, American Christians, have had to deal with um, up until March of 2020. I mean, there were some cares and concerns. Generally speaking, people would go through them at different seasons, um, but we didn't have a, like a worldwide pandemic to, to draw our attention. And so I believe that most of us were dealing with finances and money because what happens is we can get all consumed about money. It's about making money. It's about taking a second job. It's about paying off our mortgage or getting a boat. And when I buy a boat or I buy some type of toy, then I want to play with the toy and then I'm going to research and then I'm going to sell it on Craigslist and then I'm going to do that. I mean, like, right? I mean, if we have money, it can consume us to the point that that's all we kind of think about. Hey, here's a hint for you if you're maybe a little younger. Money will never buy you happiness just so you know. I've been in those places where I've made more money and could buy anything I wanted. And uh, yeah, you buy something new and it gets old. You know, a new car stays shiny and has that new car smell for about 30 days, maybe. And then it's an old car, <laughs> right? And then we want next year's model. It's just the deceitfulness of wealth is thinking if I buy things, if I have more money, it will make me happy. It just won't. But we can get consumed in that pursuit and then not make any difference in the kingdom. So if you find yourself choked out by some weeds, first of all, trust God in everything. Everything we went through this past year, past 20 months, God was still king of it all. And he was still very much in control and we can trust him. No matter what difficulty we're going through, we can trust God in the middle of it all. Secondly, learn to be content with what you have. Just be content with the car you drive, the house you live in, the job you have, the clothes you wear. Just be content. Paul said it this way in Philippians. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So there is a secret to be learned. If you're discontent with where you're at, ask God to reveal that secret of being content, and he will. And part of that might be revealed in our next series as we talk about Finding hope, as we've talked about finding hope. Now, if you know someone in thorny soil, somebody who is kind of, man, you, do you know those people? I mean, they, they used to talk about Jesus and now they just talk about politics. Do you know them? I mean, so if you know someone in thorny soil, be honest with them. We talked about this at the very beginning. 
wounds from a friend can be trusted. So just, just tell them, man, you, you just seem to be really consumed with the vaccinate or non-vaccinate. Or you really seem to be consumed with your job. I mean, you never have any, anything left for your family or, you know. So let's be honest with each other. And then secondly, change the topic. If you're in a conversation and it's just going down this meaningless complaint about all the trials of this world, you know how easy it is to change the topic? Just change it. Yeah, just start talking about Jesus. Say, did you hear this new Christian song? Just whatever, just change the topic. So my hope as a church is that each one of us grows in our faith. I hope that we still will always have people who are confused, who don't understand the gospel, and they, and they just show up here or they watch online. My hope is for that. My hope is that we don't stay there, though, that we establish roots and that each one of us will be able to withstand whatever trials are in our future, individually or as a whole. My hope is that each of us learns to avoid the distractions because they're all around us and they will keep us unfruitful. And my hope that we, as Lighthouse Vineyard Church people, that we will produce fruit, fruit that will last 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. I'm going to invite Rose to come up here. She's going to lead us in a closing prayer. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.